Welcome to the Grit to Greatness podcast. Thanks for tuning in and making your choice to win. This is the show where we not only motivate and inspire, we give you tactical strategies to implement on your way to greatness. And now, here's your host, Chuck Farmer. Welcome, Grit to Greatness listeners. Hope you're having an amazing week, amazing morning, whatever time it is that you're listening to this. We have been on fire lately, and I'm telling you tonight, we have a very special guest with us for the third time, Pastor Eric Reed, one of my favorite guests is with us. Um, If you want to review, go back to episode 10, where it talks about training yourself for godliness, and then episode 14, God's will and our goals. And I was looking at that today, and I was thinking, well, that worked out perfect. I don't know that we planned it that way, Eric, but we talked about training and then goals. That's, right. so that's really perfect. So those are two great episodes with Pastor Eric with us already. It's good to have you back for a third time, Eric. Hey, Chuck, thanks for inviting me. I've enjoyed our conversations before. And so when you uh, opened the invite, I said, let's do it. Well, I'm excited. Uh, we're going to get right into it. You know, I listen to a bunch of podcasts. I'm sure you listen to some too. Mm-hmm. Um, my pet peeve is like, I listen to a lot when I go for a run and I'll start it and I'll take off running and I'll be like, I'll be minutes and minutes in and I'm trying to get motivated. And all they're doing is jabbering about stuff. So <laughs> I pick the podcast maybe because of the title. Oh, I want to learn about that. Yeah. And they don't get into it. They're talking. Like, Let's back get and forth. to it. Let's get yeah. to it. I'm like, come on now. You know, my run's going to be over. That's so right. I try to say a little pleasantries. Let's get into it. So today I'm very excited because we're going to be talking about your new book. Yeah. Uncommon Trust. And I mean, as soon as I saw it, I had to order me a copy. I need to order me a bunch of copies and be ready to give this away. So we're going to do a quick review of that today, aren't we? Yep, that sounds like a plan. I like it. So we're going to do this at the beginning and the end. So before we even get started, where can they get a copy of your book? Yep, uh, Amazon.com. It's on there and uh, deliver it within two days. I love it. Uncommon Trust, Eric Reed. Just so you know, Eric's got a K, not a C, correct? That's right. E-R-I-K. I don't know uh, why my parents did that, but I'm always, uh, I've spent my whole life correcting people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember it because not too long ago, I wanted to give you a call or send you a text. So I typed in my phone, E-R-I-C. Yeah. Your name didn't come up. And I was like, I know good and well. I know he did my yeah. contact. That's right. I've got his number in here. So uh, yep. I'll never forget it. So I appreciate it. So. Why don't you give us a quick intro into how this all started, how this book come about? Yeah, so um, in December the 1st, 2019, uh, my 15-year-old son, Caleb Reed, passed away. And for those who are listening who maybe don't know his story, um, he was born with a bad kidney um, that needed to be removed. He had a good kidney and a bad kidney. He was two months old. They went in to do the surgery, and there was a surgical mistake. They removed the good kidney along with the bad kidney. And with that, our lives were turned upside down, as you can imagine. And he was our first child. We were young, um, young, both not just as uh, parents and and age, but we were young in the faith as well. And so, you know, our lives and really a lot of questions uh, really just kind of exploded. You know, we how do we think about this? How do we make sense of tragedy and all these uncertainties and all these fears we now have, where is God in this? Um, I kind of always thought if you do the right things and you love him, everything's supposed to be hunky-dory, crystal clear, blue skies. And I didn't know what to do with this. Uh, At that point in time in my life, I'd never had any real problems. Honestly, uh, my parents were still married, had a good upbringing, uh, family that loved me. 
no real issues medically. And so I've been coasting through life and I just assumed that would always be the way things are. And now all of a sudden I've, my first child has life-threatening uh, things going on. So that was the beginning of being in the crucible for us, learning to trust God uh, just from a practical standpoint. There's no book to be written. That was just, we got to live, we got to figure it out. And so what began to happen is over uh, the, the, the years to come, um, you know, obviously he would need a kidney transplant. He would get that at two years old. Um, from two years old to 13 years old, he lived a somewhat normal life. I mean, he still had all kinds of medical things he had to deal with because of the immune suppressing drugs. He had side effect issues, but um, he went to school, played sports, um, you know, watched Tennessee balls lose all the time and we'd bang our heads against the wall. Uh, rooted for the Predators. We'd go to Preds games all the time. Um, you know, from the outside looking in, you would think, okay, he's just a normal boy like everyone else. But he had medical issues. He was in the hospital frequently. He had all kinds of specialty doctors we had to see frequently. But it was over these years as he's aging that we are grappling with learning to trust God. We're grappling with um, our, our theology of suffering, if you want to put it that way. And I thought I had a really good grip on that. Um, and then in 2017, things changed again for us. Uh, he got fungal meningitis, uh, had a stroke, lost his ability to, to talk and to walk and to do different things like that. And again, everything was brand new for us. Um, we were caregivers to him full time. And his last two years uh, from October 17th to December of 2019, um, you know, there were some good times, but it was very difficult. It was hard on our family. It was super hard on Caleb. And eventually his lungs just couldn't take, he had lung issues as well. And his lungs just had nothing left in the tank. And, um, and so in October of 17, when life changed again, we were kind of tested all over again uh, on where we really, where we thought we were. Uh, had we, had we really come to a place where we were trusting God? Had we really kind of settled with, okay, God, your life, your, your, our lives are in your hands. Um, and, and it was there uh, that we found that our faith was uh, tested. Our faith was able to stand, but we also um, simultaneously hurt like crazy. And that's, I think one of the most important things for people to hear is you can have a strong faith that trusts God. And yet you can still call pain painful. You can still call sadness, you know, sorrowful, you can still mourn uh, at loss. It doesn't mean you have to put on a happy face, but it does mean that you're not crumbling uh, when, when life and the storms of life come. And so the book was birthed out of the lessons over those years um, that not only God taught us, but I've been teaching others uh, in my church or another opportunities to speak. And I actually started uh, 2020, I started um, the year with a teaching series to our church um, called uh, With All My Heart. And that's where we talked about, I'm sorry, let me, let me back up. In January of 2021 uh, of this year, um, I did a series called With All My Heart. And the purpose of that series was to outline really the principles of, of this book, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. That passage became for us life-giving over the course of that time, particularly after 2017, um, because what I found was the struggle that we had, and I think most Christians can relate to this, is that trust in the Lord is what we know we're supposed to do, 
leaning on our own understanding is what we're most inclined to do. And so how do we do that? You know, and that's really what I set out to understand is what does it mean to actually do this? Um, to not just like this verse, but to live this verse. That's where it all began to come together. And so I taught these principles uh, to our church and it was that that was probably the most transformational series we've we've ever had uh, people people would not stop talking about it they wanted the resources they wanted me to give them sermon manuscripts and everything else and it was during that time that i decided okay i, I think i'm going to write a short book and and i we, we kept it short because we want to be readable um you know most christians aren't plowing through books every day and so um i'm a book nerd i i assume you're like me you like to read Right. But most don't, you know, most Christians don't. Everybody's busy. They got families and jobs and extracurricular activities. And sometimes even books fill over their head out of reach. And so my whole thing was this, if I'm going to write a book on this, I'm not going to compromise on depth and substance, but I'm also going to make it readable for the everyday Joe and Jane. That's who it's for. It's for the everyday Joe and Jane. It's, this is not for scholars, even though it's heavy questions. Um, this is not for theologically elite people, um, even though we're going to dive into hard, hard things and we're going to look at, you know, deep concepts, but we're going to, we're going to make it, you know, we're going to make it accessible. And that was the goal of the book. I love it. Awesome stuff. I took kind of a couple notes. First of all, to go backwards, you're exactly right. You know, I'm in sales and I share with people all the time that there's been surveys that show that 90% of sales professionals have never read one sales book. 90% of professional people that makes a living doing sales have never read one sales book, much less multiple. So reading would just be a key. So I highly recommend this book. Hey, that leaders gets, are readers, right? Leaders are readers. That's right. Not all readers leave, but all leaders read. Is, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. So uh, second of all, this is a perfect example. I actually have seen this twice today on my Instagram and Facebook with people posting about this is that this is a perfect example of how God can use what you go through in so many different ways. That's but right. Specifically one very important way is that he can use you later to help others going through certain similar type of situation. And this is a perfect example of that all the people you've helped at your church and beyond and with the book because of what you went through. That's right. The Lord has used it exponentially. Um, I posted this on social media a couple of weeks ago I received a, a three-page handwritten letter from a young girl um, who had come to an event I spoke at, and I spoke about suffering, and I talked about our, our story, and I talked about Caleb's life, and um, how the Lord essentially taught us what it means to trust Him in the midst of trials and afflictions and sorrows, and it was at that event that her and her brother, who was in high school, she was in college, he, her brother, came to faith, um, and, and then her brother would pass away in a car accident about a year later. And she said it was that message that equipped her for how to walk through that as they've been grieving and, and trying to work through the loss of her brother. And I, I, I mean, she wrote me a three page letter about the impact of it. And, you know, in that moment, I have no idea all that's going on right there. And I think it's important, you know, you don't have to be a speaker or a writer for, for God to use your trials. So for a believer who's in the workplace, um, living faithfully, um, trusting God, whatever they're going through, you can listen to your hurts and your sorrows, and you can demonstrate uh, trust in the Lord in that way. 
Amen. I mean, it's just uh, amazing how God can use you in these situations. So uh, we're going to do a quick summary of the book. We're going to give them a taste of it because we want them to get the book and read it. But we definitely want to give them some of yeah. uh, the book. And so we're going to start with the beginning of the, you mentioned the verses. And you talked about how with me, you talked about how the first part is to know him, to acknowledge him. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you actually look at the passage, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Um, you know, in the book, I get into what does it even mean to trust, right? The, the image and picture of trust means to put full confidence in. Um, the chair you're sitting on right now, you're demonstrating trust. You're putting confidence in that chair to hold you. Um, trust and faith are very similar in that way, right? But trust is vulnerable because what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to rely on you. I'm going, I am going to put confidence in you to do what you say you're going to do, uh, to be who you say you're going to be. And trust can be earned or lost. We know this in human relationships every day. So, you know, we often start with a base level of trust with people based on how we see people, right? We, uh, if somebody presents themselves a certain way, our trust level may start lower and they have to demonstrate that what they present themselves to be uh, is not a full picture of who they are. But people earn trust because we begin to rely on their character. We start to recognize, oh, they, they do what they say they'll do. Um, they're, they're trustworthy is things that we'll say. So we know that trust is something that can grow or, or be lost. So what does it mean to trust God? Well, it means to put full reliance and confidence in who he is. And then the passage tells us how that happens. It says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. So uh, I think a lot of us hear that and we hear the word acknowledge and we tend to think that that means acknowledge that he's there. Um, you know, give him the tip of the cap. Hey, God, I'm acknowledging you. Good to see you. No, the root word of acknowledge is no. In all your ways, know him is, is the idea. In all your ways, relate to him. Acknowledge his thereness. Walk with him. And here's, here's the promise of that. Then your path will be straight. So there, there's the trust in the Lord that comes through knowing who he is. In other words, just like it does with you and me or anyone else. The way trust grows is you come to know that person and you know them well, and they demonstrate faithfulness over time. So the same is true with God. And the way that we know God is through his word. We know God through his word. God has revealed himself in creation itself. So we can see by the things that he has made, Romans 1 says, um, that he's all powerful, that he's wise because of the complexities of the universe. We know that a God of that can make this has to be wise and complex beyond our understanding. But we also know because of what he has revealed through the Bible, through his word about who he is. And so what I get into in the book is I just talk through a handful of the attributes or the characteristics of God that actually cultivate trust. And so God is all of his attributes. He's not a few of them at, at you know, he's not two of them at one point and two of them at another point. God is always who he is all of the time. But what I demonstrate in the book is that when you begin to recognize God as sovereign, and you be, which means he has all power and authority over our lives. There, there's nothing that sneaks in through the back door that catches him off guard. There's nothing that makes God go, oops. There's nothing that makes God say, oh no, I didn't see that coming. Um, he's sovereign. He, he, we get that language. We talk about kings and queens being sovereign. Well, what does that mean? 
means they're over their land. That means they are the ruler over. So when the Bible talks about the sovereignty of God, it means from beginning to end over our lives, he's sovereign. But you couple that with God's wisdom. That means that he's not just un, um, you know, unrestrained power. It means that all that he does in his sovereignty is filtered through his wisdom and his vast knowledge. Um, and, and so now that paints a different picture. It's not just sovereignty, but it's wisdom. But then those things are way up here. Sovereignty, wisdom, those are big transcendent kind of attributes. But then you begin to think about the attribute of God's love and the attribute of God's faithfulness. And now that personalizes that sovereignty and wisdom. So when I think about the things that I go through in my life, um, my son's medical issues, um, I can go, okay, God is sovereign over his life and over my family. There's nothing that's going to happen that God goes, I'm sorry, Eric, I, I, I tried to stop it. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't fix it. So if I know he's sovereign and I know he's wise, I also have to remember that all of his sovereign and wise plan filter through his love for us. So he's not playing games with us. He's not being, um, you know, he's not being um, emotionless or relationshipless. He's not, he's not, He's not just doing things authoritarian apart from his deep love for his people. So his plans are always just like a, a good father or a good mother. Their plans for their children are always guided by love. So we together the picture of what trust looks like in our lives when we begin to put those things together. And, and the last attribute I looked at is God's faithfulness, which the reason I hit that is because if God allows for us to go through something in his wisdom and his love for us and in his sovereignty, then what we have to claim is God's faithfulness to keep us and sustain us through the things we're going through. And he promises to do that. He, he keeps his promises. So when he says, I've, I've got all sufficient grace for your needs, um, I, I will sustain you. I will keep you. I will comfort you in your sorrows. Then, then we can bank on that. So if he allows us to go through it, then we have to trust that he'll sustain us as we go through it as well. And so those attributes of knowing him, which are cultivated by spending time with God and being in the word and learning more about who God is, that's how trust is built. That's how trust is built, just like it is with anyone else. Wow. This could easily be hours long because I could ask yeah. you about 50 questions on what you just said right there. But uh, we want them to read the book and we'll continue to to review that, but that just chock full of stuff, man. I can just sit here and listen to you all day long. Just great. And to, to think about God and his faithfulness oh, yeah. and how much he loves us. And like you said, I mean, you imagine your children coming to you and, and needing something and you wanting to help them. He, he's the same way. And we forget that. We think sometimes we think of God as being an angry God and God that's, that's watching right. us to make sure we, we mess up, we're in trouble. That's right. Behavior points. Yeah. We forget how much he loves us and how faithful he is, and he wants to give us these good things. And so right. um, I really appreciate that. So we move on from there uh, to the antithesis of that, the yeah. opposite of that. Yep. That's right. Tell, tell so, us a bit about that. Yeah. So what's really interesting is in the verse, it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart, meaning with your whole being, with every fiber of your being, you're trusting him. But then it contrasted immediately and says, and lean not on your own understanding. And so when we think about trust, the opposite of trust, you know, you would think is distrust. But what does distrust look like? It looks like leaning on your own understanding. And what is leaning on your own understanding? Well, there's a couple of ways we can think about that. 
Uh, one of the ways that we can lean on our own understanding is when we have to get our minds around something in order to be at home or comfortable with it, in order to say, okay, God, I can live with this. We have to understand it. We have to, we have to see what God sees and approve of it. Uh, that's one way of thinking about leaning on our own understanding. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. To think that we're going to rise up and have some kind of God's eye view of every situation so that we're at, at peace with it is not, is not reality. It's not realistic. Um, so that's one way to lean on your own understanding. But I think another way that we lean on our own understanding, and this is, um, I, I cover this in the book, it is an entire chapter, and I think it's so important. It's the stories we tell ourselves. Leaning on our own understanding is, is when we fill the gaps of information in with a story that's negative. Um, you know, we, we, we always have gaps in information throughout life. Um, if, you know, if your spouse tells you they're coming home at five o'clock and it's 530 and you haven't seen them, um, if you don't know where they are, you, there's a gap in information. Now, here's what you have a choice in that moment. You're going to fill the gap of information in with a story, okay? Now, that story can either be one that's built on trust or it can be one built on suspicion. So when I'm wondering, where's my wife? She's supposed to be home 30 minutes ago. Um, I could go, well, you know what? I bet she got called up talking to somebody and I bet the traffic's, you know, backed up. And so I'm sure she'll be here in a minute. That's filling the story in with trust. Uh, suspicion would say, you know what? I bet she lied to me. Uh, I bet she never intended to come home at five. I, I bet she's somewhere she's not supposed to be. Um, suspicion fills the trust the story with something else. But he, here's what I want to show. This is really important. Regardless of which one you're filling it in with, the key point to take away is you're always telling a story. You're always telling a story. And I think that's what leaning on our own understanding ends up looking like. And so you get, you get wind that there's going to be layoffs at, at work. And you, you don't know a thing about whether or not you're involved in that, if your department is involved in that. But the very first thing you think is this, I bet I'm, I bet I'm getting laid off. And then here's where, what, what happens. The story doesn't stop there because we are creatures that love to keep writing the story deeper. That's and right. so we'll go, we'll go from, I bet I'm a part of that to, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. We're not going to have enough money to pay the mortgage. I bet, I bet we're going to have to go take out a, a loan. Um, we may have to move back in with the parents. This is going to be embarrassing That's uh, right. in front of all my friends. Before you know it, we've constructed an right. entire story. Amen. And none of it has even happened yet. The only thing we heard or caught wind of is that there might be layoffs. And now we've got a story. And here's the problem with these stories. They don't live in the realm of our imagination. They begin to affect our hearts. That's right. And so we become anxious. We get worried. Uh, we, we get cold and distant from people. Um, they, they have real impacts. Yeah. And so in the chapter, what I talk about, and this, you know, this goes in 2 Corinthians 10, 10, 5, take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Um, I talk about that in the book is what it looks like to not lean on your own understanding is when you find yourself beginning to fill the gaps of information with stories, that's when you have to go, no, 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 stop, stop right there. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not God. I, I cannot sit here and stress out and get myself worked up into a panic attack or depression 
because I've convinced myself I'm going to lose my job, lose my home, lose my family. Instead, here's what I'm going to remember. I belong to God. My life is in his hands. If in his wisdom, he determines that this is no longer the place for me to work, then I'm going to trust that he's got a next step for me. A better better place. Something better. A better situation. If he doesn't want me here, I don't want to be where God doesn't want me to be. That's right. I want to be where he wants. So, right. so here's the thing. We have to take control of the story that we're telling ourselves. Yeah. And what I get into in the book is leaning on your own understanding looks like telling stories to ourselves. And we have to take those thoughts captive and do what that passage says. Is that what God says? Or am I making this up? Am I crafting this story? That's right. And if it's not God, that's when you have. I'm losing you a little bit there, Eric. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here for a second. See if you're. Uh, you have Wi-Fi. to replace it. You have to replace. It. That's right. Let me hey, jump in me? here for a minute. Yeah, I, I lost you there for a second. Let me jump in here uh, and let your Wi-Fi catch up. Um, I love this. This is something I've really been battling with myself. A lot of changes going on in, my, in our life, my and Ruthie's and our families. And a couple things. One, I love, I don't understand. And I, I laugh sometimes at myself because I literally will pray, hey, God, I don't understand. And then I'll catch myself. And it's, yeah. on the one hand, God wants us to be honest. That's right. We you know, can be honest. Right. He wants us to say, I don't understand. But it, it right. kind of immediately it hits you like, wait a minute. That's not, this, that's not what we're supposed to do. That's We're right. not supposed to understand. He's in <laughs> control. Second of all, I find myself, and people may recognize this, um, I find myself giving it to God, but then I make emergency preparations in case he doesn't come through. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to give it to God. Yeah, but i got a backup plan just in case. You know, we yeah. can't do that. And then uh, this is a whole thing that I'm really into. I've mentioned it already a couple of times, but I just want to throw out there again, uh, John Acuff's book on soundtracks. He talks about this, and his thing is it's like a soundtrack to a movie. What soundtrack are we playing in our mind? Are we playing a right. nasty, dangerous, scary soundtrack? Or are we playing a, an upbeat, Christian, trusting God soundtrack? And then Craig Rochelle, right. battling the battle of our, winning the battle of our minds. Just two great books about what you're talking about here to where we've got to be careful. We've got to have thoughts that are towards God and believing that he's in control. And I mentioned to you before we even started that um, I've read over and over again that 80% of our thoughts are negative. We have yes. 80,000 plus thoughts a day. 80% of those are negative. We have to be able to control that. That's right. It, it, and here's why, because our thoughts produce outcomes. Um, where is, so if, if worry and despair and anxiety is the fruit hanging in the tree, you can actually trace those all the way to the root of the stories we're telling ourselves. That's right. And so if you like, want to change the fruit, you got to change the root. And that's the stories. Charles Swindoll says, we are all faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. I love yeah. that. We yeah. go through impossible situations. And we're like praying, oh, this is horrible. When actually it's a great opportunity. And just that's tons right. of, I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've read where people have said, I got cancer. I was very sick. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. That's right. That's right. John Piper, uh, you know, famously talked about don't waste your cancer. Um, How might God be using this in your life and for the life of others? Um, 
Don't waste it. Don't turn That's inward right. and waste it. That's right. Awesome stuff. All right. So then uh, you talk about trusting him, the three parts, trusting him, then not leaning on understanding, but then we have the promises that God gives us. I that's love right. this part. This is the fun part. So tell yeah, me about that's that. Right. That's <laughs> right. So what do we fill our minds with? Um, we have to go back to what God has promised us. It, listen, God is God does not fail to keep his promises. Um, if God didn't keep his promises, he wouldn't be God. And so when we recognize that, um, we have to start looking at, okay, what does God say? God gives us incredible promises of walking with us through the fire, um, sustaining us, using our suffering and sorrows so that he can be glorified through them in the lives of others. Think about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego being in the furnace and all the onlookers who saw the fourth figure in the fire. If they're not willing to be in the furnace, nobody else sees the fourth figure in the fire. That's right. So oftentimes our biggest hurts become our greatest ministries. Uh, God can use those in incredible ways. Um, but the passage itself ends with this promise. So it's three, it's three um, statements. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then here comes the only promise of the passage, but it's an important one. And he will make straight your path. When you are walking through life with all of its troubles and sorrows and difficulties and anxieties, it doesn't always feel straight. And it's important for us to see the bigger picture. Um, you know, I give this example in the book. If you're driving down the interstate, um, you don't get the sense that you're only going straight. Sometimes you're going around curves and you're going up hills and downhill. But if you zoom out on a map, if you're on I-40, you're going east to west the entire time. That's right. I love that but, example. But it's not a straight line. It doesn't feel like a straight line, right. but it is. It's a straight path. And so what we often confuse is those curves and those, and those troubles in life as somehow or another, our path's not straight. No, here's what we know. The Lord is walking with us hand in hand and, and to the day we meet face to face with him. He is walking us to the day where we are with him forever. Um, and, and Paul lived his life anticipating that, right? To live as Christ, to die as gain. Um, he says, I'd rather be with Christ for that is far better. And so we have these incredible promises of a straight path that in this life, there's going to be trials and tribulations. Jesus tells us that in this life, there will be troubles, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Um, I own it. It all belongs to me and you belong to me. And so you can trust me. You can trust that I've got your life. You can trust that, that 80 years of pain will seem as nothing upon the first moment of, of heaven, your first breath in heaven will make 80 years of pain seem like nothing. This is what Paul says in Romans 8, 18, when he's saying, I consider these present afflictions not worth comparing to the weight of glory that is to come. So it doesn't discount the painfulness of pain. It doesn't discount that, that sorrows are sorrowful. It doesn't discount that when you lose people, it hurts. What it reminds us is that death doesn't have the last, the last word. It reminds us that afflictions are not the way things will always be. Because of Christ, his death and resurrection, we have the promise of an eternal life and a life to come where all things will be made new. As the believer, that is our ground. That's what we stand on. I love that. One of the versions that I like uh, says direct your paths instead of make straight. Direct yeah. your paths. I like that one because, you know, I, I pray to God, you know, look, I, I'll do whatever you tell me as long as I feel like you're the one directing me. I, 
I don't want to be the one directing yeah. myself anymore. I, I, it's like, I've made all these mistakes. I give it to you. You know, I just want to know that it's you directed me. And I don't know if it's yeah. true or not, but I heard a story once of Alexander the Great, him and his army coming up on a fortified city they wanted to take over. And it was right near a cliff. And Alexander the Great pulled up to this great fortified city with big walls. And he told his, his army to turn left towards the cliff. And he said, march forward. And the army marched forward. And row after row of his army went over the cliff. <laughs> and he told them to stop. And they turned back around and, and faced the fortified city. And they gave up. Mm. Because they realized what this army would do if they were that dedicated and whatever he told them to do, they were going to do it without question, no matter what. Wow. And that's just, to me, that's just a great example of what, if, if we're willing to do that for God, what can he do? And that's, I often tell God, look, I'll do that. As long as I feel like it, I know it's you telling me to do it. Just direct yeah, my path. That's right. Right. That's so right. I just, I just think that's so key. And, and, and so here's the thing, you know, in light of that, that's where, when he does lead us, we have to say, okay, Lord, I trust you. Um, if you're saying, like, for example, somebody might look and go, hey, why, why would the Lord want me to, to leave this great job and to go do this thing over here? I mean, look at all this money. Look at these benefits. Look at, I mean, I've got right. it made over here. Right. But here's the deal. If the Lord's saying, I want you to go right instead of left, that's where also, it's not just trusting through trials. It's trusting through daily life. It's going, okay, Lord, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding because my own understanding might say, hey, this resume looks way better than that resume. But if the Lord says, yeah, but you're going that direction, then that should be the way we go. Trusting, trusting that he will make straight our path. Awesome. Just great stuff, man. This is awesome, man. I'm ready to read the book again. And it's not like you said, it's not very long. It's an easy read. If we can sit down and watch a whole series of Netflix on a Saturday, that's like 12 episodes. That's right. That's right. We can re read through this book. As a matter of fact, I can just tell you right now, it's only like about what? Less, it's 100 pages. Yeah. That's including the acknowledgments and everything. So it's, a small but it's book chock full. On purpose. Yeah. That's right. I, I wrote it for people like my wife, who if they get through one book a year, they, uh, <laughs> they get a milestone and they are ready to high five and get a gold star. And I said, I want, I want, to, I want to write it for people like that who will, who will not feel intimidated by such a big subject. Um, and so that's, that was the goal of it. I love it. And it's called Uncommon Trust by Eric Reed with a K. And they can just simply go to Amazon and search for it. Go to Amazon. It yeah. If they go to Amazon and type Uncommon Trust, it'll pop right up. That's awesome. Now, how can they follow you? If they, like, man, they really enjoy this, where, where are you pastor? And then how can they maybe follow you on social media, et cetera? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram uh, under Eric Reed, E-R-I-K-R-E-E-D. Um, also have a ministry called Knowing Jesus Ministry. So, so if they go to KJ Men, uh, Knowing Jesus Ministries, kjmen.org. Um, we have articles on there. We've got theology videos. Um, we do a daily devotional people can sign up for. It's free. It delivers to your inbox. Um, we also, we do events. So one of the things that we do is um, we, we have what's called a hopeful suffers weekend for families who have lost children. Um, and so we bring in families from across the country and minister to them and walk with them and encourage them. And it's completely free to them. It's uh, completely uh, funded by donor support. Uh, the ministry is, I don't take a single dime from the ministry. I, I give my time away. I give more money, uh, to it than I've ever gotten. I've gotten no pennies from it. Um, <laughs> But uh, we also do conferences for students and adults. We have on November the 6th, 
uh, a conference called Engaging Truth Conference. And uh, we're actually really passionate about helping students know the Lord and to walk with him in a world that's really hostile uh, towards the faith and particularly targeting them. And so we really ground them on how to walk faithfully in a world that's not going to pat you on the back for it. And so, again, all that is free to them. Um, so, yeah, Knowing Jesus Ministries, great resources available, um, all available for free. Wow. Awesome, man. Great stuff. And I absolutely love the daily devotionals. Nothing else. Get on there and sign up for those. Those are amazing. Yeah. Pretty easy reads. Yeah, and they're amazing. You do a great job of those. So really glad, pleased to have you on here, man. And I look forward to having you on here many times. Uh, from here on out, just a great book. Uh, if you get a chance, go check out KG, KJ Men and read the book. Uh, great Bible verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We'll share those. And also, as always, thank you for listening, uh, Grit to Greatness listeners. Join our Facebook group page if you don't already. And 1914 of Psalms says, May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Have a great day, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit to Greatness. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get great updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. We sure do appreciate it. Signing off from the Grit to Great podcast studio. We'll talk to you next time.